Hello, and welcome to Native Awakenings. Here at Native Awakenings, we believe that there is a continual opening of the mind, an expansion of awareness. And this expansion can be facilitated by something simple, such as a conversation between two friends. That's what we have here today. Thankfully, a beautiful soul and dear friend, Alyssa, came on to the podcast. We have such a wonderful conversation. We speak on things such as tea, the cosmos, meditation techniques, and so much more. Alyssa has an extensive background in meditation, so this was one of my most exciting conversations because I get to pick her brain about the topic that interests me the most, at least one of them, which is meditation. We relate on so many other topics and avenues, and I'm so excited for you all to listen and to hear the wisdom that Alyssa has to share. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I'm so excited for you all as well. If you enjoy this podcast, I heartedly ask if you could pop on over to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. That would help so much get this message out there and help Alyssa's message get out there as well. <laughs> I would really appreciate it. All right. This is Alyssa, the Reiki space holder. So earlier you said you woke up to a great Dane punching you in the back, <laughs> kicking you in the back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's a wonderful start to your day. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually let my client's dog sleep in the bed with me, but he's just so special and he was very cold, I think, and he wanted to burrow under the blankets. So I let him, but then I realized once... It was time to wake up that he was very large yeah. compared to me, <laughs> and he likes to flail around, Aww. so it's pretty sweet. Oh, <laughs> nice. Great Dane snuggles. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, mm -hmm. I know that you teach yoga and you're a Reiki healer, so how have you been navigating yoga during, we're recording this during COVID time, so how has that practice been for you, and have you been sharing that with the world. Yeah. So for me, yoga, especially during my personal, well, my personal practice, if I could back it up to that, yeah, I've always been pretty on target as far as having my home practice be really special and important to me to maintain. And I've noticed that my dedication to my home practice is maintained throughout this whole thing. But teaching has just changed so different. You know, it's so different now. We have to do a lot more virtual classes. And it's really showing me how much I thrive in the environment where I have a student right with me. Because virtual yoga isn't new, or as far as asana classes or sharing together. It's not new, but it's definitely a new path for me. It's been a little clunky, honestly. But it's starting to grow on me a bit as far as being able to host live classes and still having some of that student participation. And then it's also just helped me remember that I think oftentimes we're seeking for the external validation. And so when we're in a class and there's students around 
as a teacher, even though it's not about me, there's still some validation in it when I see students smiling yeah. or giving feedback after class, like, hey, I really enjoyed that. That was wonderful. And that really warms me up. But it can also kind of lead to, you know, part of the practice that is dissolving some of our expectations, dissolving the need for validation. And I don't think validation's bad. It's, it's just how can we carry on in a, in a sense when we don't have direct feedback immediately? Yeah. So it's been a territory and... I honestly haven't done too much as far as my own offerings of online yoga, but I'm called more to share meditation online. And I think because I can really drop into that meditative space and I don't necessarily need anyone to like give feedback. Yeah. I can just say, hey, let's sit and kind of go into it. And when I'm teaching, it's more of trying not to get lost into that cosmic realm where I am so in my own body and practice that I forget that there's students there. Uh, so wow. I haven't offered as much asana on my own as I have meditation. Oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. Meditation's really near and dear to my heart. So that's so cool that you're sharing it. And I'm happy that it's deep enough ingrained into your practice that you don't need that validation when you do it. It's like, hey, I'm going to drop in. I'm going to share this, this so that I feel and, and I can tune back out. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. And teaching asana and like watching students move their bodies. I don't want to be tuning out. <laughs> you yeah. know, you really want to be like very much tuning in. But it's been very interesting to learn the difference in holding space, the different ways to hold space and to, I guess, alleviate some of the control that can come through when you are teaching asana because everyone's experience and everyone's body is different. Yeah. And sometimes when we have these kind of rigid, you know, foot here, knee there, there's general safety measures, but you can almost hyper fixate as a teacher on a student's posture So yeah, it's just, it's been cool to kind of play with just the different ways I show up as a teacher and the things that I used to really kind of cue in on. Yeah. And now it's just totally different, you know, and it's not bad and it's just new. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Really, it feels like a much more felt experience rather than you need something visual or or even something auditory, it sounds like you're going off of spirit, off of your conscious, the feeling. So mm-hmm. that's amazing. Something I also I want to touch on is you mentioned that you can drop in pretty easy into meditation. That's so cool. A lot yeah. of people are like, meditate what? Like, no, that's the most boring practice ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so have you been meditating then for a good bit of time? Or have you always had this gift of just dropping in? Yeah, I have meditated for a good chunk of 10 years now I think I found asana first like most busy American types you know like (laughs) needed something hyper movement based to actually gain some focus and then once I knew that I could get into that space it was actually very easy for me to kind of like drop in I completed my first vipassana a couple oh, years ago now. Wow, I'm yeah. so jealous. I've always wanted to do. <laughs> For those that don't know, could you break down what Vipassana is? Super sure. Quick? So Vipassana is a style of meditation that comes from ooh, Burma. 
I want to say. I think so. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. you know, it's within the Buddhist realm and then was soon brought to India eventually. But it's, I guess, a style where you, you just feel what's going on in your body and you scan essentially your body the entire time that you're meditating in order to remove any of your labels of the sensations that you have to your experience. So you can sit there and, you know, many of us when we meditate and I used to be, I used to be there, you'd sit and you'd be like, oh, my knee hurts. And I attach like, well, this is painful, right? My knee hurts or it's like burning. And the gift of Vipassana is to remain equanimous within your experience and to start to alleviate yourself of some of those attachments. And then to, to learn it is pretty extreme, right? You go to at least a 10 day holy for beginners. Wow. Yeah, fully silent. So that was such a gift. I think we never really get to feel like that alone. At least I didn't. I grew up in a giant family. <laughs> um, I have a lot of close friends. There's just always, you know, someone to check in with or, or check in on me. And you get to go and just be silent and essentially don't make eye contact with anyone either for about 10 days is the minimum. <laughs> and they can work up to three, 30 days or three months. And wow. yeah, very potent. Not for everyone. The first five days were incredibly frightening because even though I've been meditating for years, I didn't realize like how much extra chatter, like there is so much, you know, they call it the monkey mind. There's so much going on, like the little hamsters. (laughs) I have a few of them in there just running around and I was like blown away. And, and then all of a sudden the bubble just burst in the last, yeah, five or six days is the most calm I've ever felt in my life and very clear. And then the funny thing is, cause you're kind of asking like, Oh, how long have you meditated? You know, when I told my family members I was going to do this, they were like, you <laughs> silent for 10 days. <laughs> okay. You know, and it, uh-huh. it's really funny because we have ideas of each other and, and I guess my family didn't really know that about me. Like I can very easily drop into meditative space and I, I love it. So yeah, that was just something funny that came through, remembering that. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so, I was going to say jealous, but I'm going to change that to encouraged. I'm so encouraged and really want to and inspired to do that practice. I've been, I heard about Vipassana a good long time ago, and I really am down with that practice. So that's so cool. I've never spoken. I've spoken to people long distance, like my friends that have done it, but to have a Vipassana practitioner in front of me, I'm like, yeah. wow, that's so cool. And it definitely, you know, there's so many forms of meditation. Like I still really love mantra mm. um, repetition, but something about Vipassana really drove something home for me as far as how much I attach to my emotional reactions to things. Mm. And that has been I'd say one of the most profound things I've learned from meditation. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. So is that the style of meditation that you kind of practice the most? And you said you practice mantra as well. But Yeah, for the most part, it's the one I do personally. And it also seems to be the one that's kind of evolved into my habit. So when I catch myself being like, oh, I need to stop for a moment, 
that's the form of meditation that I usually just go into first now. But I still, when I teach meditation, I teach all different ways in which we can access it, especially for, you know, Vipassana, I'd say you got to get your feet wet and you have to really dive into it. And it's, again, it's not for everyone. So it can be scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be frightening how, how much your mind has to say that is not true. So it's definitely one that I think uh, a style that takes some time to to get into but i'm sure some people like me try it for the first time and are like wow this is the one yeah yeah wow i've heard horror stories about of people oh. <laughs> you know like after three days getting out because if you're not talking to people if you're not relating then you are just with yourself and your mind our minds have so much to say mm-hmm. and, when, and especially judgments as well that are within the mind so to hear that 24 7 for 10 days straight sounds like a bubble burst during the last portion of it for you but oh yeah still that's uh, that's it just inquires bravery and courage totally. <laughs> and dedication <laughs> and just a lot of restraint that i mean personally I don't think I had a lot of boundaries growing up. And so it was a good practice for me and restraint as far as like not holding, we couldn't even hold the door for someone. They're like, just don't do it. Act like you are alone. If somebody trips, don't go to their aid. You know, it's like really retraining all of our habitual patterns. For me, it was very profound because I, I typically want to take care of others before I take care of myself. And so it helps you be selfish, but in a way that's detached where it's like, well, you're not an a-hole because you're <laughs> being selfish. But, you know, why do we have to always give so much? Mm-hmm. So it really helped me reframe a lot of a lot of those things too. So it's not just the meditation that you get out of it, but you can really kind of go down some rabbit holes if if you're into it, (laughs) (laughs) which I was. (laughs) Such a healing time because I feel like when we are able to have those conversations, meditation time in itself, in my experience of it is always healing because it helps us go inside. It helps us connect more to that voice or actually channel that voice in a different way if it's one of judgment or to see that it's not true. Mm. So to hear that boundaries really came up for you, that personally really interests me because I have had to work a ton on boundaries that I'm very similar to you and that if a friend needs help or, you know, a family member needs something like, oh, my boundaries just go down, just drop in like, okay, whatever you need. And I (laughs) can get taken advantage of or disrespected in a way, but I'm like, hey, at least the other person's okay. Mm -hmm. So do you feel as though Vipassana was a great way for you to start constructing healthy boundaries for yourself? Definitely. And especially that relationship a stronger relationship with my intuition. And Vipassana also really helped me with the pause before the thing, which is something I think when you lack boundaries, you really struggle with. It's like, okay, someone just asked something of me instead of the initial emotional response, which for me is to usually just immediately give or have an emotional response, you know? This really helped me kind of like pause. Let me like chew on it for a couple seconds or like, might actually take me a couple of days mm-hmm. and then go from there. So it really helped with boundaries too, in the sense of learning how to think about it first and then proceeding from, from that space instead. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. I like that. I like that a lot. A friend of mine, when I was about 13, 
I would I would just say the first thing that came into my head all the time, <laughs> inappropriate, whatever. I was just spewing. I thought it and I spewed it out of my mouth. And my friend said, Greg, what if you took five seconds? Ooh, <laughs> before... At 13, so wise. <laughs> I know. I was shocked. <laughs> uh, five seconds to think about what you're going to say before you say it. And that like profoundly changed my life because I was a real little kid. <laughs> and just to take five seconds to not just immediately spew it out but i think what you've taken is to an even deeper level with emotional wise because i feel such pressure and motivation to have a response if something is emotionally asking from me if mm. i have a something welling up i can take that five seconds and say okay i don't need to share this with who i'm with or vice versa if it's coming from me but when someone has a beckoning or a call from me i do feel an immediate response is necessary but seeing that hey you can take some time maybe even a day to honor that boundary with you have yourself chew on it and then have a response that's really amazing yeah and it's really hard for me personally. Uh, I love, I love emotion. <laughs> I think they're fascinating. I think they make life beautiful, but they also can be so tumultuous. And for me, oftentimes I can see like, oh, the aftermath of that <laughs> wasn't so, wasn't so beautiful. If I had just like paused, mm. I think it could have lessened perhaps some of I don't want to say damage, but like, yeah, maybe lessen some of the damage or, impa or the impact sometimes of just shooting from the hip mm -hmm. when it comes to emotional reactions, yeah. especially for sense. I've, I'm a sensitive person. Like I pick up on a lot and I never really understood what that meant, but I often think that's why I struggle with boundaries because I'm like, well, if I can feel this, it must be real. So that's been a still a process for me of learning but <laughs> mm. a big uh, one <laughs> do you feel i love that you've mentioned this, this mm. is something else i want to dig into mm. so do you feel as though the term empath resonates with you or more do you have a term because sometimes i like labeling things just so that i can understand it but i understand if you don't want to house underneath that label empath at least to me are people that as you mentioned feel the emotions of others sometimes can help clear them sometimes they take it on themselves mm -hmm. do you feel as though you're an empath or do you feel as though you're more like of an intuitive energy sort of seeker where you know what the other person's feeling but don't necessarily feel it yourself I can be a little bit of both, but generally uh -huh. I would say, well, when I was younger, very empathic and confused by it. Mm. And then as I got older, I can now recognize when I'm doing it and put up a boundary or a barrier Ooh. so that I don't do it. But I definitely resonate with the word empath. Okay, uh, I would say a lot of the way that I feel like I perceive the world is actually through emotional energy. And I, it's like, I actually feel like I have a harder time talking and like finding words for things and like communicating in ways like this oh, really? than I do with just like, yeah, kind of like floating in this, I don't know, ether of emotional energy. So yeah, Whoa. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> it's like a whole language that has taken me a while to just like even put like, oh, this is, this is a language. This is a way of relating for me. 
and then just navigating that because it can be deeply draining to be empathic right yeah like, <laughs> yeah uh, very so. much so mm-hmm. especially in high stress or very low depression states um, of the energy surrounding us especially collective energy too if you go into a store and the energy is just ugh, then you're having to try to either uplift that vibration or thinking is there something within me that's feeling that so mm-hmm. it does take a lot of emotional power to to deal with that gift and i'm happy we've been able to refine it with vipassana and other meditation practices yeah oh cool getting there yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know i think it will be a cool lifelong experience but Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i definitely like i can navigate it with a little more ease now than i used to be able to nice mm-hmm. oh cool hey congrats <laughs> gives me hopes too <laughs> awesome we can do it empaths we can do it <laughs> yeah you mentioned a word at the beginning of this podcast that Ooh. i'd love to understand more you mentioned cosmic realm that you can drop into that pretty quickly yeah. i love the cosmos and cosmic it's just a really cool word so <gasps> does that word have any inherent or personal meaning to you when you hear cosmos or cosmic what do you feel what do you think about i think of the possibility of anything and everything all the time and cosmic has helped me learn how to like play in different realms that aren't just earth but to also like remain tethered to earth and i think one of the definitions of cosmic is taking things that aren't of earth and being able to like funnel them down so remaining like a bit of a thread to this existence i picture a brain just or like the skull kind of popping open and floating up and just playing with a lot of different realms and thoughts and feelings and then you know kind of digesting them back to this to this realm this place and time Uh that's beautiful (laughs) wow i've never thought of cosmic that way before so i'm really happy i asked that question yeah because i can feel that so you're taking emotions and feelings that could be from different energies of like other planets or just space itself but you're distilling that down you're whittling that down to make it a part of earth so that our inhabitants can understand do you do a lot of channeling then within your meditation or do you do do you get ideas from either yourself or entities or space or cosmic that you bring down? I haven't done as much channeling, I would say, but I do always feel like I am a channel, if that makes sense. I have explored mediumship Ooh. in my own ways. Oh, snap! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really explored some of the like light languages or the who's popular, the Pleiadians or or the Lemurians. But I have friends that are like really vibe with different alien forms and I'm all about it. I think it's cool. But for me, I guess I would say the most channel like stuff that happens for me is I often well, I have like an like an obnoxious amount of deja vu oh and when i moved to portland oregon especially for massachusetts about five or six years ago i just felt like the container for meditation here was much more held there's more space for it and so i was just having like deja vu once or twice a day and that's always been interesting to me because 
that's like I guess more channeling dimensions or things that have happened or or will happen or already happened and then just kind of funneling them into a moment so that's kind of something that I experience more so than I would say like receiving messages from guides I don't really get a lot of that which is fine. I'm open to it if anyone wants to chat. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I get entity or I get a lot of visitation uh, from people who have passed. And one of my first experiences was during a Kundalini yoga class. My first time getting gonged, I like to say. uh (laughs) My first 13 minute gong bath. I was so nervous, like there was a lot of nervous energy for me coming through and I believe it was a sun gong and and it was just so much solar plexus release and I grew up very anxious, I think, because of the empathy and and other other theories. But I felt this hand just like rest on my shoulder and I knew immediately it was my great Annie Pearl who had passed a few years uh, ago to cancer. So... I remember having that moment and then I just kind of placed one of my hands over, you know, yeah. her imaginary hand and that just felt so special to me. And that's one of the first times I kind of was like very trusting of of the cosmos, of the cosmicness of of Earth and just sort of the magic that exists there. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm so happy we've explored this realm together. Yeah. Then. I hear a lot of things. Sometimes I see like orbs and that sort of thing. Oftentimes the, the entities I interact with don't actually touch me though. So that's that's an intimate experience and showcases your empath abilities mm, as well. Cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. You mentioned uh, you got gonged by a sun gong. I also know because thankfully we were able to do a Reiki healing ceremony together. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I loved it. We had a great turnout. (laughs) And after the end of the class, you asked what type of gong I had. And then you mentioned that you want a Neptune gong. So (laughs) the sun gong really opened up your heart, your solar plexus, and you had that channeling experience with your aunt that had passed. What attracts you to, what does Neptune mean to you? And Mm -hmm. why are you attracted to that vibrational energy? So I love the ocean. I just love it. I don't know if I've ever lived more than a couple hours from the ocean. I'm also like deeply frightened by it, but I just, it's just so mysterious and Neptune, it was the first gong sound that I, I remember like just Googling like gong music before I ever went to a Kundalini class. And I just happened to find this one guy's videos and he would play and I didn't even like notice, but I just, something about it, I could sleep very deeply. I felt a lot of healing come through and my dreams would all have water in them a lot of like childhood stuff would come up and release and then I remember just noticing it was Neptune like a Neptune gong and since then I've just been kind of fascinated by the sound of Neptune and just by the things that we we don't have words for and I think I resonate with that as well because I often find that I struggle putting things into verbal form more so than I can just like feel and experience them. And Neptune feels like that to me. It just makes space for the things that we don't have words for. 
And it also helps me trust that those are just as valid when I like struggle with communication or this type of communication, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I would have never guessed because you flawlessly communicate in all cool. the interactions <laughs> we've had in the past, especially co-teaching classes with you. You were just so on point. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, really great. So I would have never guessed. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's just, you know, one of the things in my own monkey mind telling me that like, you're having a hard time getting words out of your mouth. (laughs) 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 I mean, I feel like me personally, I feel like they're, they're foreign to us. I feel like we're supposed to just be, and this could be out there communicating off of telepathy and off of feeling because there's the figure in the study that's out there. I'm not sure if it's 70% or 90%, but they say X amount of communication is nonverbal and it's, it's bigger than 50%. I know that. Mm. So a lot of times I do feel as though words are a tad bit unnecessary and divisive too because you can say something and it's part of the reason why i do the word association portion of this podcast Mm. because they mean different things to everybody you know water means different things to different people so but feelings like that feeling of happiness even though many people have a thousand words to describe that feeling when you feel it you know Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh this is happiness you know so I agree words can be a bit clunky. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. And just to riff off that, it just makes me think of language like Sanskrit and how Mm. many ways there are to say one thing or how they'll have like different words for similar things, but they just mean like something just slightly different. And I just think that's so beautiful. But it also shows how hard it is to put words to things. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Yay, I'm not alone. <laughs> You're not. Thank you, yeah. Sanskrit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's all communication. And I guess maybe right now, because it's like age of Aquarius, technology forward. Yeah. I feel like, ah, where do I fit in? Because sometimes the words just don't come out, <laughs> you know, especially with like sharing online sometimes like I've taken a big step back from that and I still share but sometimes you just hit that wall of no like this isn't the way to be like sharing and existing for me right now Mm -hmm. yeah when experiences are that valuable we can keep them close to heart there's that famous saying of don't cast the pearls before swine and emotions are so precious and sometimes they need time to incubate and Mm -hmm. ground before we do share them with the collective so i think that's a wonderful way to honor your emotions and i've seen a lot of the opposite of every emotion is shared online it's like wait you should have your personal life yeah (laughs) so i think that's great (laughs) yeah you know i'm coming to realize that i'm pretty secretive and that i'm learning to like dissociate the word secretive from the word dishonest which i think i used to I used to associate those two things as as being like, well, if I'm not sharing this, I must be like lying in some sense. And I haven't pinpointed where that came from exactly, if it's like something from my childhood or not, you know, but there's there was definitely that acknowledgement a few years ago. And I think because all of these new ways of sharing have just like exploded since, you know, I'm 34. So I don't even know now college (laughs) Facebook was college I don't remember but like there's just so many ways of like putting yourself out there and now there's just like so much out there and I was just doing it for a while because people were doing it and then I just remember thinking like well I don't actually want to share 
some of these deeply personal moments with everyone and like and i think i i think i thought that was bad for a while mm. or like something was wrong with me because i wasn't you know wanting to be the next internet sensation (laughs) i don't want to be that (laughs) i want to be left alone a lot of the time but yeah secretive is another thing that's come through in the last couple years that kind of surprised me because i feel very open but i just don't i just don't think everything needs to be out there yeah and that's okay yeah Ooh, (laughs) i like that distinction of secretive versus dishonest you know we can say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Even if something is, you know, it might be bothering us because maybe our totality does feel good, but there might be a little bit of something in there that we just need to sit on ourselves. So we're not always reaching and seeking for external answers or even unsolicited advice that could <laughs> set us back. My I'm favorite. a therapist. I'm a therapist. <laughs> we're all therapists, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. No offense to all you wonderful therapists out there. Right, I love you amazing. and appreciate you all. Yeah. Something else I picked up on was when you moved to Portland, you started having more deja vu. So what does it mean to you? Like everyone knows what it means to have deja vu, but what do you interpret that sensation for? And why do you think you're getting it now that you moved to Oregon? You know, I never really explored past life stuff or just living or existing in multi-dimensions until you know the last few years so i think for me deja vu is just somehow showing us there's so much more than meets the eye Mm -hmm. in every moment yeah i think just maybe living in in oregon you know i'd never heard of portland Mm -hmm. i moved here with an ex-partner he got the the offer here and something in my body was like go uh-huh. I knew nothing about this place, but oh. I just, I knew I like, I had to be here. So I don't know if it, it's also deja vu can just be a bit of that, like, hey, I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Mm. Wow. And in a sense, I don't know. It's kind of creepy sometimes, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And yeah, I guess so. Yeah, past life stuff wasn't ever big, like on my radar until moving out here but it doesn't really feel like past life it just feels like different timelines like kind of one's fast forwarded one's rewound and somehow i'm meeting in the middle i don't know if that makes sense whoa (laughs) yeah that joining point that still point in time for both of those timelines of hey presence right here are you paying attention Mm -hmm. always feel it as an indication that, and this is hopefully not coming from my ego, that mm. I'm in alignment because mm. I don't feel it that often, but when I do, it's normally it's normally a pretty interesting moment. It's not just like, oh, I'm tying my shoe when I got deja vu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm normally doing something like with at least a moderate amount of significance. And then it's like, whoa, I've had this conversation before. Yeah. Or I was here before. And I do feel as though it's, my guides, um, I never put it in these words until you just now said it. So thank you. I'm so happy I asked it. But my guides (laughs) letting me know like, 
are you paying attention? And then for me and myself, like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this thing. I'm going to pay even more attention to it because I get this feeling because I'm supposed to be doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Cool. So, yeah. So very alignment oriented. Yeah. I like that. Sweet. Deja vu. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, creepy, but also fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As a empath, as a healer, I know you do Reiki. I got to experience your Reiki. I just want to just speak on a little bit of what I experienced uh, on your personal session that you did with me. So we had this wonderful class where we were healing others, but on our own, like when you did Reiki on me personally, I just got this geyser and waterfall at the same time Mm. sensation of love like it was coming from underneath me and it was coming from above and that's never happened to me before yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that was so significant and just the wonderful cleansing and polishing quality to your energy a lot of times at least for myself I focus a lot on taking stuff out of people like, oh, I'm going to take off this block or I'm going to we're going to travel to this other dimension. But there Mm. is a wonderful refinement and inherent quality that I was okay that there wasn't an irreparable harm or damage done to my vessel. But that, hey, let me just like polish this little part up right here. Here's some love here. Oh, let me put some good energy over here. It was so nice. And especially as a healer myself to receive healing that's not judgmental or not taking something away from the person is so informed and so intelligent and so beautiful. So I really, really enjoyed the ceremony. I'm really thankful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Make me blush. (laughs) Uh, uh, We'll put your contact information on the show notes too, because I'd love to just share your energy Uh, with everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Reiki just kind of happened in my life and it's something I, I didn't realize I really wanted to hold space for until about three or four years ago. And then, yeah, I just, I just love it. Like something about it. And I think just approaching it from that sense of we're all whole and complete. And for me, I started using it just self, self soothing IBS from just being hyper anxious. Mm -hmm. And then it just turned into something just deeper and more profound that again, I didn't really have words for, but I just was so attracted to right Mm, or it attracted me so i love to give reiki and that makes me feel really special to hear you yeah verbalize your experience of it yeah yeah because i also love to receive it (laughs) (laughs) Nice. you know for me when i do it or or when i receive it it just reminds me like we're all human and we're we're given a lot of i think opportunity in this society to kind of fail And when I'm being held in Reiki or holding Reiki, it's just like you can just kind of surrender and just be and hopefully come back to what's important, which is the heart, I think, to me. And getting back to that heart space and out of the mental space. That's why Reiki has been huge for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Thank you for telling your story of it. Yeah. What is it? mean to you to be a healer you're a healer in the yoga classes that you teach also you're a reiki healer so a lot of people have a different ideas of what that word means but when you hear the word healer do you get any feelings in your body does it remind you of anything any colors but what is, what does healer mean to mm. you 
When I hear the word healer, I feel this sense of expansion, mm. almost like my insides are gently moving to like the outside like oh. of my body. And I just feel like that sense of just really opening, like a lot of air for me is what healing feels like. But the word that surprises me is the first word and it like shot right into my brain was approach. Oh. And to approach something... It means to not be afraid to go towards it. So I guess in a sense, you know, working with what we consider healing or as, you know, what I might call a healer. I don't really associate myself with that word as much, but it's that I'm not afraid to approach the stuff that's kind of difficult, which we might personify as pain. Or, you know, I'm not afraid to approach like the depths of emotions and how sad people can be. And I'm not afraid of the things that maybe we're all afraid of on the surface, which is not being loved. Mm. And so to just kind of be willing to go there is maybe what draws me to the path, especially being a Reiki practitioner now. Like I, I really want to be doing Reiki a lot mm, oh. <laughs> and i i'm just willing and ready to you know approach people with the utmost care and so that that yeah that word came up i don't know i've never thought that uh, wow. <laughs> so to thank approach. you yeah, yeah of course you downloaded a ton of things in there yeah. so i'm gonna say <laughs> that one thing that really stood out to me was what we're all afraid of is not being loved that like hit me in the heart so mm. bad because that's mm -hmm. what I'm afraid of. And you vocalized it just like, psh, like oh, here it is. <laughs> we can put labels and paint it, other pictures of, oh, what I'm afraid of is really disappointment. I'm afraid of this, but comes down to not being loved is helps me examine the pre-existing fears that I do have and the fears that I hold now with a more refined lens. I really, really like that. And also to approach, you aren't afraid of, the wounded person that we're all hitting for, they're going to lash out or do something. Lastly, you mentioned you don't really associate with the word healer, which I think is cool. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what would you call yourself? What do you feel like you do for people then? This is when I feel myself kind of falling into my astrological chart, Ooh. but I'm an Aquarius sun and I, I associate more with like space holder mm. and I have a lot of Scorpio as well, which I think, you know, they say Scorpio can be such a good healer because of the depths of the waters it's willing to transverse. But I associate more with, yeah, just like space holder. And I'm very good at allowing other people to just be themselves in front of me. And so I guess I don't have like a succinct word uh -huh. <laughs> for what I feel like I'm doing, but I just want to, like, I'm just a sharer. I'm there to just like stand before people and witness their yoga practice and share Reiki. And yeah, I guess space holder would be, would be it. Wow. Nice. The Reiki space holder. <laughs> Sweet. Coming to you from the cosmic Yeah, from the cosmos. <laughs> cool. Space. So I have a couple of word associations. I also have a couple of finish the sentences. And <laughs> one of them is a recent mineral slash stone energy that I'm working with is blank. Mm. So I will say that amethyst is always around me. I have multiple chunks of it. I have a beautiful amethyst quartz, 
that was a gift. And that's also my birthstone of February. And then I always also have Moldavite. I'm wearing some right now, oh. right? Yeah. And Whoa. I remember the first time I held Moldavite, I went somewhere else. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I want to wear that all the time. <laughs> and it was funny. My friend who I asked what it was, he was like, I can't even be near that. Like most of the time Whoa. <laughs> i'm very drawn to aquamarine as well i feel like it puts me into like the sweetest water space and i can just really feel like held emotionally and then this fat egg on the table wow. <laughs> the septarian which i was reading is helpful for learning how to communicate uh your needs so i've been sleeping with this egg <laughs> And it comes through just so like sweetly. It's like a grandmother's energy and I'm really into it. Oh, yeah. wow. We'll have to put a picture of that in the yeah. show as well. It's a massive <laughs> egg. It's, I think it's definitely bigger than my head. So yeah. <laughs> it's huge. And I'm just babysitting it. And I love that about stones too, right? It's like they can travel and they can serve their purpose. And then you can kind of place them elsewhere or give them away. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm gifting stones i'm happy you mentioned that gifting stones is such a wonderful practice because they mean so much to us for a long time i feel like they there are space holders mm-hmm. to use your term i love that Yay. now um, <laughs> in their own sort of way and when they're able to absorb so much from us and we can give them to someone else they can then hold space for that person they can help draw on the energy that was even in that stone the stones in my practice that I hold with the most reverence and care have all been gifts. So to me, yeah, those cool. are always, yeah, those are always priceless. It's like, this is maybe like $2 billion if I had to put a price on it, you know, because it it's just so, so important. And I love when it's like when you receive a gift and then you're like kind of looking up its properties if you're not as familiar with the energy of it. And it just feels like exactly what you need to be around in that moment. Yeah. (laughs) I really, I like that a lot. (laughs) Like a physical deja vu, crystal energy, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned amethyst was kind of your go-to, what you're always rocking or holding. What does amethyst uh, mean to you? It helps me with the, hmm, the emotional intellectual space. And I use it a lot when... I want to have dreams that I feel like are going to help me get somewhere or help me call something in that I'm trying to work out. So it's usually a stone that I want around when I'm like, okay, I have some questions. So I'll sleep with it under my pillow and just go from there. Mm-hmm. cool i like how you use stones you're the first person i've ever heard of being like oh yeah i sleep with this stone <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> yes very cool i it's funny uh that just made me think of this moment with a friend came over and hadn't been in my room before uh-huh. and she like turned and looked at my bed and was like are you is this a rock garden or do you sleep here? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I was doing some work last night. And yeah, I will put them under my pillow like the tooth fairy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and see what I get in the morning. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm going to try that out tonight. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that tip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but just be mindful. Like if it's a lot of like clear stones, right, you're going to have a lot of, I think, mental energy. Oh. So you probably won't sleep super good. Oh. So if you're wanting like a deep slumber, maybe put like the darker you know, oh, tourmaline or something under your pillow. Okay. 
clear stones, white stones represent mental energy. Dark, darker stones represent. Uh, I just think they more like absorb, oh. right? So the light stones project like all the glitz and glamour, but also can like mentally, I think, activate. Whereas a darker stone is going to help anchor the mental realm and kind of ground more. Whereas so is my interpretation. But, cool. I'm yeah. all about astral projecting. I try Ooh. to do that as often as I can. Would you recommend using a clear stone for that practice? Yeah. My intuition says like clear would be more helpful for that. Or maybe even like um, lapis. Ooh. Even though it's not clear, it's very mm -hmm. communicative, right? Yeah. So, so a lot of lapis feels very vibe to me, like very high vibe. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm putting some quartz and lapis underneath my Give pillow tonight. Let yeah. me know where you go. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lisa. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, awesome. <laughs> Well, I know that you are a avid tea drinker and I want to know if, if there's any purpose or reason why you're so attracted to tea. Yeah, so tea was something like my intuition just kept pushing me towards around the same time that it was telling me to slow down. And this is, I'd say five or six years ago at this point. And I was significantly questioning and reevaluating my relationship to alcohol. And I took a break from alcohol and then f met this person out here, Steve O'Dell, who's amazing, tea wizard in Southeast Portland. And I met Steven and then he was just like, come have tea. And it just was the best quality tea. And to go from something pretty low vibe like alcohol to something like very high vibe, like the different cheese of the different styles of Chinese tea. Yeah. It was really fascinating. And I think as a sensitive person, very attractive, right? Because it, yeah. it kind of gives you something to question and explore like ooh, this tea kind of hit me like this or this one like just made me cry like <laughs> I've never cried before because it like opened my heart and um, I just kind of fell into it, you know, not on accident, but at the perfect time. <laughs> and since then, I've just been deeply grateful for it. And then also just learning the skill of sitting with something and the style of Gong Fu Cha when you like pour over the leaves multiple times. So it's not like just one big pot of tea, but a smaller vessel for self-service, especially, or like a Gaiwan. Yeah. And just pouring over, having your cup, sitting with it. And then just doing that over and over and over again until you're done. Wow. And that helped me kind of calm, calm a lot of the, the anxieties and the rapid lifestyle that just wasn't doing me any good anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Gung Fu Yang? Gong Fu Cha. Gung Fu yeah. Cha. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Chinese. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And it's... I think oftentimes too, people will ask if it's ceremonial, but it's just it's just that style and like the the order of which you do it. But it can be really like it can be rowdy sometimes. Some of like the tea things that I've been a part of, and you can have conversation. It doesn't have to be silent. Oh, okay. Um. But yeah, look look into it. It's it's really it's a really sweet practice, and I've incorporated it into my life, and it's a huge, you know 
It's a huge anchor for me. I'm definitely going to look that up. Uh It's going to change the way I have a couple of um, tea holders that I can immerse in water and it does that dispersive. It's like a, it's not, it's a reusable tea bag Mm -hmm. pretty much. So, but I always just keep it in the water. So I might try that with just pouring it and setting it aside on some sort of strain device that the leaves can dry and then be re-wet by the water. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's giving me ideas. Yeah. Cool. I can wow. show you too after. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Well, I know that just from talking to you, you've mentioned that emotions are where it's at, like that language that can't be that can't be formed. I have a word association slash fill in the blank and it goes, I feel in flow when I blank. So when you're in that space where words no longer need to be expressed, when you're in that emotional state of just mm, oneness, what are you doing? I feel in flow when I can recognize the moment for what it is and also perceive like this sense of a lot of clarity and a lot of openness in the moment where it's just kind of very flow for me is a feeling it's it this yeah. one's this one's like a tongue twister <laughs> but it is that recognition of just like whoa like i'm existing right now and it's just going as it should and i feel very I guess, committed to the moment and very accepting of it at the same time. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> we hear this, you know, I hear that a lot and I'm sure I've said it, like go with the flow. But yeah, I guess it's it's more just flow is what? Like the perfect reaction for whatever you face, mm. maybe. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because you get pushed around all day, perhaps, by the ebbs of things. And yeah, if you can just acknowledge it and not fight it, that's flow. Yeah. That sounds so present Mm. and so attainable. A lot of times it's like, oh, you want to be in flow? Go, uh, what's that thing called? Surfboarding or... Surfing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My partner will love that. He surfboards every day. Oh, really? (laughs) I bet he's in flow at times. (laughs) So, yeah. But seeing that, hey, you can be in flow by having the correct response to whatever is happening. It's Mm -hmm. in the present with clarity is something else that you mentioned which it's like anyone can attain that. Like, hey, be clear, be present, be grounded. Also have your boundaries up. You don't need to emotionally react. Give yourself some time. Totally. And I've also felt really in flow in moments that have been like dangerous feeling or like thrown into like, ooh, my fight or flight is kicking in and my adrenaline is high, Yeah. but I am here, (laughs) you know? And you're like, oh, and like your eyeballs are like cats all of a sudden. You're just like, I can see more than I've ever seen. And that's still in flow Mm -hmm. because sometimes I think in flow, it can be used to kind of like put someone down. You know, I've heard that like, oh, you're not in the flow or just, or when we say that, like go with the flow, but I've definitely felt flow in many scenarios that, yeah, it's just when you're very present with the scenario, yeah, you're in the flow and you're cognizant of the reaction that's coming up or the emotion that's coming up. Present. Yeah. Now that you're more present, you've established this relationship with tea. 
sounds like you have a really healthy relationship now with like alcohol as well. You mentioned that before you didn't. What did leaving that practice sort of inspire you to do? You left left one lower vibrational energy to embrace a higher one. How did your life change or move after making that shift? It's really just helped me, you know, question a lot of the why. Why is it I'm doing this? Which always strengthens the intuition because I feel like we have, we have these moments where we're given the choice and we make a choice and our intuition is present that whole time helping us make the choice or the right choice for us in that moment. Alcohol is fun in some moments and it can help you, I think, alleviate the mind stuff. It definitely helped me like, okay, like just turn your mind down a little bit. It also clouds the intuition Mm. and the nervous system which is going to help us make the best or most best choice for us in that moment. And so I can make decisions more clearly and quickly that feel more in alignment. And that's just puts you into a place where you're, you're just happier. I'd say it's like happiness is the byproduct of being in alignment with what you need. Uh. And alcohol can really damage that. And it damaged that. I had no idea who I was or what I wanted to do. And I had this whole persona very attached to alcohol and alcohol use. And I just remember waking up one day after a couple years now of regular yoga practice and being like, this this needs to change. I don't associate with the addiction mm-hmm. as far as my personal journey with alcohol, but it was like, it definitely was being abused. And, you know, anytime you kind of shut off your intuitive side, I think you're kind of abusing yourself. So I was like, no more of that. (laughs) I want to know everything, even the really loud things and stop just like shutting them off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Shutting off your feelings, your intuition, abuse. Wow. That's something else that I'm going to sit with and meditate more on for myself. Wow. And and see how I do that within myself. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that illuminating response. Yeah. And I still take, I still drink alcohol sometimes. Now I I will ask myself, do you actually want to drink? Mm -hmm. Or like, why would you be drinking right now? And if the answer is to numb something or to quiet something, I just won't do it. So yeah. That shows an incredibly healthy relationship with it. A lot of times, Sometimes unhealthy behavior could be completely excluding or blocking something up, preventing us from having a pleasurable time. But Mm -hmm. I feel like a responsible way to use any substance is the way that you've described to ask yourself, well, what's my why behind this? Why am I doing, am I trying to get rid of these emotions or I'm trying to connect with community or just myself or really enjoy Mm -hmm. this flavor that I really enjoy? So cool. Totally. And I think that's just important. I think vices are so human. And even, you know, even coffee, like I'm definitely, I'm not addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to coffee (laughs) and I'm addicted to the feeling. I get emotions about going to a coffee shop, you know, and I know I'm so aware of it (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Like maybe this one needs a, I need to dive into a little bit more, but I think for a long time I thought, well, this is really bad. Like I'm bad because I drink alcohol Mm -hmm. and that was totally like a self thing. But I think that was because my intuition was like, you need, you need more, like you need to be more present with yourself. And 
yeah, that's humanity at times. It's like there's so much going on and we have so many people in our lives for the most part and work and play and family and responsibility and and all of these things and it can get very overwhelming but like humans have been using tea tribes all over the world and their different forms of like plant medicines and i think as long as as we start being a little more intentional with it you know vices aren't bad but definitely question them if they're clogging a whole channel to the upstairs and beyond yeah and i think you can notice it when you're like kind of dull and so yeah i was just feeling dull and it was time to undo that nice Mm -hmm. hey congratulations and Mm -hmm. i'm happy you have a really healthy relationship with that that's awesome Mm -hmm. we're nearing the end here this time has flown and i I want to talk to you about so much more so i'd love to have you back on at some point because yeah yeah (laughs) I'd like to know what all of these practices, the title of this podcast is Native Awakenings. Mm. So within your experience, moving's a big thing. You moved from Massachusetts to here. What did that, what did yoga, what did tea, meditation, Vipassana, any of these practices or all of them collectively awaken within you? When you moved here as the Alyssa that sits before me now, how is this Alyssa different than maybe the Alyssa that lived back in Massachusetts or didn't do yoga or didn't do Reiki? That's a big one. Fear of death is just the thing that's like throwing itself at me. Ah. And I remember a friend's mother passed that I was really close with and I would consider her to be one of my guides. She definitely comes through now still for me, like my great aunt Pearl. But, um, I, it hit me really hard and it was in in high school and it was my first experience with like, Oh, I'm going to (laughs) die. And it just put me, I think into like hyperdrive and helped me, it scared me, but it also awakened within me this fascination with what it means to be alive. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helped me start to like put words to all of these things I felt as a kid. I would talk to animals and sorry, mom, for bringing like dead birds in the house all the time. You know, I was just fascinated by life and death and by like, I guess. Yeah, just a deep appreciation for life and being alive and and trusting. I don't know if I believe in control. That one's still on the fence for me. But just trusting that I have a lot of tools to remain connected to what feels very spiritual and like divine to me and to really honor those things while also maintaining a thread of earth existence and honoring that just as much Mm. so I don't just like float into the ethers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for that. Wow, this this whole conversation Uh, has been so beautiful and really illuminating of your gifts. What I see based off of a lot of what you've shared is to me you're this wonderful bridge Mm -hmm. that you're this 
wonderful person that can go to those cosmic realms and interact with guides or crystal energy or just gong energy and really bridge that so that you can, even though you say that you're not good at it, <laughs> but communicate it emotionally and even verbally to those that are blessed to share your presence so as a space holder bridge i think you i think you're born for this like you're really really amazing guys. thank you so, yeah yeah i dig it right now it's pretty fun Sweet. <laughs> i like to do custom outros so is there any way that you like to close the conversation or like any favorite thing that you like to say upon ending I'm very often I just like to express love and appreciation for for whoever I'm speaking with. Oh. So just deep recognition that, you know, we're here experiencing this cool realm and and just getting to share in a way that doesn't always I think come come easily for me especially. Mhm. I'm sure the listeners feel it. I feel it. You're sharing it. Also, this has just popped off the top of my mind, and we are running pretty wild on this podcast time-wise, <laughs> but would you like to share a short five, 10-minute meditation for those that tune in since you're really great at that? <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Yeah, let's close oh, that way. Really, oh, I'm gonna close my eyes. Hold and on. I'm just going to totally riff this. So my first thought is to take both of your hands as you come into a comfortable seat and place them over your skull in any direction, but allow the fingers to rest loosely on the top of the skull. Take a couple deep exhales. You can even sigh from the mouth if you need and try and relax your diaphragm and your rib cage down, especially where you're holding your arms up. And adjusting your neck so that you feel like your head is perfectly stacked over your shoulders. Perhaps finding a slide of your shoulder blades down. And then encouraging warmth between your palms. And meeting the skull where the palms meet the skull. Really warm and just feeling the warmth share, shared between those two spaces. And then imagining you could really contain all of the cosmos within your skull. Just inviting in all the planets, the stars, the sun, the moon, the galaxies. And when you feel that sense of containment, let your hands fall down by your lap. And just place them lightly on the body. And then like a ping pong ball, feeling a sense of sharing the intelligence of the cosmos or what's contained in the skull between your heart space, right at the center.
And feeling all of that information. Just lifting and lowering with your inhales and exhales. Feeding your heart. And sharing your heart with your mind. And then just trusting in the shared experience of all of that intelligence radiating from heart to head, head to heart. And then allowing whatever words might want to come through to just be held in your mind's eye. Any sounds, any visuals or colors. And then almost like we're playing um, like bingo Imagining the next word or color or sound or thought that comes through is released straight into your heart. And take your hands and place them over your heart. And hold whatever that focal point is, whatever that thing was that came up. And then my encouragement is to take that thing and explore it as the week continues or as your day continues after you listen to this. And just being open to that experience. And perhaps like a guide if intuition is new to you. Or in a sense like a little chew toy to train or practice your intuition. And then go ahead and bow your head towards your heart. Give yourself the utmost appreciation. Find gratitude in all ways of being. And whenever you're ready, blink open your eyes and return to this reality. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel so different. <laughs> oh, my word. Feel a little high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Mm. Uh, I think you've, you've set the bar. That's the best way to end ever. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Yay. <laughs> yeah. The spirit animating my body honors, values, appreciates, recognizes, and unconditionally loves the spirit animating your body. Aho matakweasam. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sweet. Want to hug it out? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're my favorite. <laughs>